Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Infertility and Podcast. I am your host, Monique Farouk, IVF mom to one, and as you can tell, a women's health advocate. Thank you for being here, friend. I appreciate you if you're watching on the tube and or listening. If this is your first time, big hand claps for you for taking the necessary steps to getting the support that you need through audio and or visual content. I appreciate you guys so much for rocking with your girl. And thank you to all of our former uh, guests and everything for coming on the show and being a part of the movement ending the silent suffering and being a voice to those who are still silently suffering the one in six. So as you can tell by the title friend, infertility is expensive AF. It is so expensive to family build when you cannot do it on your own at home with your partner. And unfortunately, there are so many people who have to walk away at some point before they even get the chance to become parents. And it was weighing on my heart heavily to talk about the feelings behind getting fertility treatments and wrapping our mind around having to spend that much money on a chance to be a mom or a dad and to do it with or without a spouse. It's a lot. It's overwhelming. It's frustrating. And it doesn't seem to be getting better. And we know that our reproductive endocrinologists and all the other experts that we may come into contact with during the path to family building and or agencies that we may use for getting egg and or sperm donations, adoption processes, all of these variations to family building and these people have to get paid too for their time. And it's expensive, y'all. From the moment that you are diagnosed with infertility and you begin to research and you get the printouts and even when you're in the midst of it and you find out, well, the sperm is just not gonna cut it. It's lazy. It doesn't wanna do anything or your spouse has azuspermia and or you have low, low AMH and you have to go the route of egg and or sperm donorship. It's so expensive. So this episode is both thinking and talking about the feelings and also just the overwhelm of having to family build and investing in your family building journey. And I've seen a lot of people lately in the communities online speak about they, how many more fertility treatments they'll be able to go through and or whatever path they're choosing they don't know what they're going to do and they're frightened by the idea of never having the chance to become parents and it's just it breaks my heart and unfortunately there's a lot of inflation happening in our economic society and I don't foresee it getting 
any better other than the options of using your insurance through your employer. Or if you're someone like me who is self-employed, you have to pay your own insurance. And then just the research of making sure that your insurance and your state even covers any form of fertility treatments or if they'll even cover the testing because testing can be expensive as well. Let's face it. Right. And um, luckily, when we were going through fertility treatments, well, not luckily, but now it's luckily for those of us who live in Maryland, we can get help with fertility treatments through insurance and they'll pay for various aspects and stages of the fertility treatments. Um, and they have their limits, of course, depending on which plans you choose and all that stuff. It, it's a financial burden, regardless of what the outcome is going to be. And regardless of how worth it you feel like it would be making that investment, it's still overwhelming. And it effing sucks that so many people don't get the opportunity to seek fertility treatments and or move forward in fertility treatments because they just can't fathom and or wrap their mind around having to spend so much money at a chance to family build. And that's all it is. It's just a chance to become a parent. And then for our friends who go on to have uh, cycles where they get their BFP and then they miscarry, they lose the pregnancy or something happens in utero and the baby is born stillborn. So just all these variations of what could happen and outcomes that could happen and take place. And I think a lot of our stress when we're seeking fertility treatments does come from the financial aspect. And it doesn't matter whether you have the financial means or not. It's still a burden. And it's expensive as fuck, okay? It's expensive, extremely expensive. The grief that you feel when you realize fertility treatments, egg and or sperm donorship processes, surrogacy, especially adoption, especially the grief around realizing that it is beyond your financial means to do so, especially for you friend or someone you know or someone in the community who their medical diagnosis may be something like endometriosis fibroids Mm -hmm. like we had um, Jenny Lowe last last winter when she talked about having cancer what would have been their baby with their surrogate and she miscarried and so there's so many layers to fertility As we also spoke with Dr. Duga last week's episode, and there is no one size fit all. And you go so hopeful into the doctor's office, hoping, praying, wishing on all the stars and ancestors that your diagnosis, the specific root cause of your diagnosis, unless you have unexplained infertility, trying to figure that out and all the money and time spent on healing your body medically before you can even have the fertility treatment, right? So for instance, I had to have polyps removed from my uterus. And although I have uh, polyps on my 
cervix, they were not a cause of concern. It doesn't cause any unnecessary bleeding or anything like that. So just dealing with the polyps in my uterus was a freaking lot. And I had to go under anesthesia to have all of that cleared out and cleaned up before I could even go through IVF. And that is one example of many of the procedures yourself and or the others in the community go through before they can even have the fertility treatment completed, before they can even have their first round of IVF or IUI even, right? Because when I first got diagnosed at 29 with infertility, and at that time it was right tubal blockage, as you heard me mention in the last episode, I often wonder if it was known that I had the polyps before having that IUI, I wonder if that IUI could have worked. Because if you didn't know, when you have polyps in the uterus, it prevents implantation of the embryo. And so when I went back the four years later, didn't have the right tubal blockage anymore. But I for damn sure had quite a few polyps in my uterus. And so I can remember vividly my doctor being in her office and she said, it looks like you have some polyps. I'm almost 100% sure they are. This is my reproductive endocrinologist. And she said, I, you're going to have to have a procedure before we can even move forward with your first round of IVF. And I just remember my heart dropping to the floor and I can vividly recall just also feeling numb in that moment, like, God damn, I get all the way here, do the tests, have taken all the supplements, have done all the physical things necessary to prepare my body, eating well at the time I was vegan, fully vegan, and had been for over a year, and detoxing and cleansing my body from all of the environmental factors, and sometimes women are just polypy. I'm a polypy person. And so it was just so disappointing. And I was like, this is some BS. And thankfully, they found the polyps because what if I had gone through treatment and she had, they had never really showed up clearly on the ultrasound? And then maybe I wouldn't have my sunshine now. Right. And the first cycle of IVF that we did was wasn't um, didn't result in a BFP. It was the second time when we got our BFP. They considered it the second time in my clinic. And so it's just so entirely frustrating the entire process of going through fertility treatments because you constantly feel like there's a roadblock at every freaking turn. There's a mountain. There's a block. There's another procedure that needs to be done because something else shows up. I would also say and concur that because we do often um, get on put on hormones or we're on medication for other issues pertaining to fertility, that there are things that take place in the body because of those medications that are almost like side effects. And we've had friends on the show even who would say that, they were on a medication and then 
or they were on hormones. And then the next cycle, when they get the clearing, then they find that the hormones is having adverse um, effects on their body, which then causes them to have to have a new protocol that's tailor fit for them. And it's just constantly this infertility feels like a constant brick wall. That is what I would say. And without getting into the specifics of root causes of your, your infertility or my infertility, infertility feels like a brick wall and it's expensive as fuck. Maybe that should be the episode title. You know, it just feels like a brick wall at every freaking fracking turn. And then we, 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 put ourselves and our bodies and our families and our spouses through the emotions with us, at least for those who really actually give a damn about us, right? Because we got a whole lot of families um, who are not very close to one another. And so that's a whole other topic for a different episode. But so I remember vividly and I promise there's a, there's a point I'm going to make. So I remember vividly that Omar Sr. and I purchased a two-story condo in the fall of 2015 before going to the RE in the spring of 2016, my new RE um, in 2016. And so we bought the house, we bought the condo in hopes to stay there until we became pregnant. And it was also doubling as a flip property. Purchased it on on foreclosure. It was a flip property. Great investment. Great deal. And in the, and we renovated it from top to bottom. And the goal was to stay there until we got pregnant. And during that time, we will also be waiting out so that we wouldn't have to pay the tax of the house being a flip home. And so we had set plans to sell afterwards as far as getting pregnant when that time came. And thankfully, we rent this route because... We were living below our means in that condo, even after doing all the renovations and such like that. We were still living well below our means. And again, it was a flip property, so it had a ton of equity in it and such. And we were able to save quite a bit in a six month period um, for fertility treatments because when we bought it I had told Omar I was like okay this would be great because should we need to go the route of fertility treatments again we'll be able to save you know a a substantial amount of money in order to do multiple rounds of fertility treatments and so if needed and so at that point we really hadn't decided to go through fertility treatments but we had been discussing it heavily in previous years And by the spring, again, of 2016, um, Omar Sr. was finally on board with us seeking the help of a reproductive endocrinologist. And so I tell that story of living below our means, having this flip property that we knew we were going to make money on when the time came, because not just me, but a lot of other people in the community have downsized their lives in order to um, to afford fertility treatments and still live a decent middle class lifestyle. And so not everybody is willing to make that sacrifice. And I don't think that it's a sacrifice that everyone should make unless it is truly deeply a desire for them to have the children that they desire. We had Amanda Chanelski 
back early in the beginnings of the podcast, she was one of the first guests on the show and her and her husband had bought their dream home and they were doing really well. And once they found out about her fertility issues and they made the decision to uh, pursue uh, ART, she shared that they downsized so that they could afford those fertility treatments and, and, and not be uh, entirely and completely broke. And then she came back after uh, about a year and a half and gave us an update on her story as well. That's back in the earlier seasons. Again, if you want to check that out, her name was Amanda. And so that's two examples of the expensiveness of fertility treatments and we having to adjust our entire lives for this chance at parenthood. And although it's for the greater good, when you sacrifice like that, you still not in my situation specifically, but in situations like Amanda's, it's, it's a fucking bummer. It's a damn bummer, you know? especially in Amanda's situation, because she was someone who was already living in her dream home with her man and establishing a lifestyle together. Right. And so I've also talked to people who have um, stayed in apartments in expensive cities like New York um, longer so that they could keep at their interest rate of which they bought their property instead of purchasing a new one, especially now with interest rates being totally um, at record high numbers in recent years uh, all across the nation right now. Um, And then also, oh, another good example, somebody that I am um, close to in my personal life shared with me years ago his diagnosis of azuspermia. And so he contacted me about a year after the show started. He was like, Cause he saw it on my Facebook page at the time. I don't have Facebook anymore, but at the time I still did. He was like, I saw, he was like, sis, I saw your Facebook page and I never told you, but we went and sought fertility or sought the help of getting diagnosed because we weren't getting pregnant and we were trying for a while. And this particular person has a bonus daughter. And so he knew that his wife could get pregnant and she's younger than we are. And at the time she was like in her late twenties, early thirties. And so he basically told me, yeah, azuspermia. At the time, in the moment, he couldn't think of the word. And that's okay because we get flabbergasted and such. And we're trying and sharing to stir our stories with people. And so he was like, your yeah, podcast is it's tremendous. I, I, they didn't find any sperm. There's nothing. He had azuspermia or has azuspermia, I should say. He and his wife, they, got, they both got tested. He got tested. And then after realizing all of the options that they could take, he decided that he just did not want to pursue fertility treatments or any more testing because they had already spent so much money. He's an entrepreneur. They had already spent so much money on getting tested and getting down to the bottom of things. And they went through all the things and got all of the information that they needed to make a healthy, logical decision. And for them specifically, it wasn't in the cards. He was financially able to afford fertility treatments, but for him, It didn't sit well with trying to conceive through fertility treatments at just a chance and nothing ever happening. Maybe it wouldn't have taken place and they didn't want to do sperm donation. He was very adamant 
um, as a man about having genetic ties to his children. And so it just wasn't in the cards. And unfortunately, that is the reality for many people. And he just said, sis, I just can't see myself spending all this money on fertility treatments and or sperm donorship. And then my wife going through the process of having the embryo transfer and such like that. And then I have no genetic ties to this baby. He just couldn't wrap his mind about it. And so they didn't, they never went forth with any treatments of any form, adoption, surrogacy, anything. They um, have foregone that dream of having a baby together. And so this was years ago. Um, it's been quite a bit, probably about three years since he shared that with me. And so even for people who can afford fertility treatments, do not want to risk the investment. And if that is you, I'm telling you, as someone who's been through the process, as someone who has spent the money, and as someone who has had many conversations over the years and money always being a huge stressor for people trying to conceive, if you are not 100% sure that you want to spend this money for this chance to family build, don't do it. Let it sit with you. Let your heart really ponder about the decision to spend money on fertility treatments. Because it, it, although it is an investment, it's an investment that could also see you no return. We had Katie from Chasing Creation and the Childless Collective on Instagram. Shout out to her. She was on in the summer of 20, no, the spring of 2020. And she is someone who had a lot of health issues pertaining to her reproductive organs. And she just ended up being childless uh, by circumstance. And I believe it is because she had to have a full hysterectomy. Do not quote me. But if you go back to the episodes from 2020, um, there is an episode with Katie from Chasing Creation. And she shared on the show. She was the first person who actually shared on the show who was childless by circumstance. And at the time, she had just really, she at the time, she had, it hadn't been too long since she had to have um, her procedures done to completely rid her body of fibroids and endometriosis, if I'm not mistaken. She had it really bad. It was really horrible. And she was actually still really in the deep, deep trenches of healing from the fact that she would never be a mom genetically tied to any children and also losing some of her having to have some of her reproductive organs taken. And so you spend all that money again. That's what I'm saying. You could spend all that money for a chance to become a parent. And it never comes to fruition. That is the reality that many do not want to speak about, hear about, or think about. But that is the reality. And we cannot continue to move forward with whatever path we're in, being blindsided or choosing to have the veil pulled over our faces so we don't see that aspect. You have to know that and you have to understand that before you even start fertility treatments. And if you're in the midst of it, and you're someone who is considering taking breaks to 
build some of your finances back up and or fundraise. A lot of people have fundraised fundraised in order to help with the costs associated with ART, assisted reproductive technology and such, and other paths to parenthoods. I've seen people do it for surrogacy, egg and sperm donorship. I've seen it all. And so you have to be really, really sure that you are okay spending this money because it's a down payment for most of us, if not more, on a home, 20% or more (laughs) on a home. And I, I realize and recognize the privilege that I have as a black woman as well, because most black women in America and also globally cannot afford fertility treatments because we are one of the lowest earning citizens in the United States compared to our white and Asian counterparts. Right. And so I know my privilege and the privilege of the finances, as well as the privilege of only having to go through two cycles before becoming pregnant. And so I realized and recognized that. And even though I was financially, my husband and I were financially able to do treatments and afford a couple if we needed, it was still, it's still a burden and it still hits the same. And I may not have the same, I may not have had the same cortisol level of stress but it's still a freaking burden. And that's still money that could have been in our pocket invested into our future through our businesses or whatever the case, right? And so you have to be really sure about your path and how you will maneuver it and have a plan. I really was kind of glad that we ended up living in that flip home for a while because between my son's birth and my birthing experience, (laughs) there's a lot of effing money, y'all. It's a lot of effing money, friend. It's a lot of, it's a lot. And I always admire friends in the community who ask for assistance from the people that follow them and I'll say their community of followers because I don't know if I would have been able to do that. And I vividly remember having a conversation with Omar and I was like, I'm not putting my body through fertility treatments more than five times, five rounds of cycles, of um, IVF cycles. And although we did use the cheaper option of getting pregnant through natural cycle, which alleviated a lot of the medication costs because I was still under the age of 35 then, and I had a, 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 they require you to have a certain amount of egg storage reserve to qualify for. And it's about half the cost of a normal cycle of IVF. And so I said, I'm not doing this more than five times. I said, if it gets to be really too much, I'm not doing it more than three. And he was like, we can do it as many times as we need. I was like, no, I'm not doing it more than that. And so that's what I meant by you have to have a plan in place and what you are willing to go through and how much are you really willing to sacrifice, not just the expensive nature of fertility treatments, monetarily your mind your body and your spirit because the shackles go up right and so you have to be prepared for all of that as best as you can because those are things that you can actually control you can say to yourself look i'm not doing it more than this amount of times right or i'm not going to try for more than two surrogates or 
you know, etc. However that looks like for you. Hey friend, support this podcast by leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple iTunes. And you can also do that now in Spotify and leave five stars for Infertility and Me podcast. This will just help increase our show's ranking and reach so that we can continue to reach more people and more friends who may be silently suffering with infertility too. Now, let's get into the episode. I always admire the friends who actually crowdfund and they'll do it through selling t-shirts they'll do it through sweatshirts candles i've seen it all literally and they they get the help and from the community because who else who better is going to support us is other people who are also in the midst of it who understand and there are many people who get family members to um, donate to their journey as well which is also very special and just so meaningful right and so if you're feeling like you want to crowdfund for your family building efforts, I would say to you, you may feel shy about it and ashamed at first. And I think you need to speak with your therapist if you're working with one or your counselor, because you will need to move past your shame. I could see it being very like an embarrassing feeling of like, I can't believe I have to ask for money. It's something about money and the limiting beliefs that we have around and centered around money. And we do work hard for our coins. (laughs) We're not going to act like we don't because we do. We work very hard for all of our coins that we make. and, And so if you're feeling guilt or shame or embarrassment for having to ask for help, or you're thinking about asking for help, Sit with it before you create that plan and how you will crowdfund and and fundraise because you're going to have to convince people. It's a convincement in a, and I don't even know if that's a goddamn word, but it's a convincing and a persuasion that you have to do. And you have to be able to clearly articulate what you need it for, that people don't know your history, especially and you're crowdfunding on Facebook and there may be people that you're not exactly close with personally. And so, yeah, I also wanted to give you guys some resources and information with this episode and grants are a great option because it's not something you have to pay back. It's not something that you have to pay back. And so in the show details, if you tap below, if you're watching on the tube or hit show details in the app, or the platform that you're listening from. And I have listed organizations that I know for sure are actually giving people the money they say they're going to give them, right? And these are people that I've talked to personally as well. And don't allow your shame and guilt to stop you from asking or seeking the help that you need through your path to family building. And if you're someone in your 20s or early 30s before the age of 35, especially for our cis women, if you're thinking about freezing your eggs, I'm telling you now that now is the time before the age of 35. If you can afford it or raise enough money, get your eggs frozen. Society is different. Things are changing. We're waiting longer to become more mature so that we can parent effectively, et cetera, or we're building careers and businesses that keep us super busy or we're not partnered yet 
one of our anonymous friends talked about not being partnered. And so she moved forward with ART on her own and she went on to become a mom. And so if you are someone who is wanting to egg freeze, do it and do it quickly. And also in the show notes is the company you guys may have remembered. Lauren Mackler came on fall of 2022, I believe it was. She is the co-founder of a digital health platform called Co-Fertility. And also they have a sub company underneath of that called Family by Co. You can find out about all of that in the show details when you tap on their website. And so Co-Fertility connects intended parents with egg donors as well as freezing options for less and sometimes for free. So check them out. That's one. And then we have the Tanina Q. Cade Foundation, which is a nonprofit that helps to raise awareness and funding. And they give away grants probably every quarter, not every quarter, but they give out grants probably two to three times a year, depending on how much crowdfunding and raising of money through their various events that they acquire. So they have a couple a year. The next one is Bundle of Joy Fund founder of that nonprofit is actually the wife of a NASCAR race driver and her name is Samantha Bush and that's her nonprofit that also gives out grants uh, once or twice a year. The third one is Cozy Warrior and they just had a grant that they gave out someone not someone but a couple uh, just was awarded five thousand dollars towards their ART and so let's see was there another one no that's the three that I had listed and then co-fertility is the company you would connect with for your egg freezing and or egg donorship process and so um, you can do egg freezing with them for less and sometimes for free but you'll be able to find that in their website so we have Tanina QK Foundation Bundle of Joy Fund cozy warrior okay in the bonus episode if you want to learn more about co-fertility and their egg freezing and donorship options you can go to the bonus episode that has lauren mackler in the title and that was in i want to say late fall early winter of 2022 when that episode released because we had recorded it in the summertime but it didn't release till later that year um, based on the timeline and then yeah, so I linked that as well. And then I also linked a study on the socioeconomic disparities in fertility treatments and associated likelihood of live birth following IVF. That's also important. Listen, infertility is expensive as fuck, y'all. But you don't have to go through it alone. Again, you can get grants. Okay. Oh, and I also wanted to mention there was an episode that I did in 2020, I believe it was with Shara Hutchinson. She worked for Starbucks part time on top of getting her master's and having her nine to five. So again, take your time, think about your next steps and or your first step if you're in the very beginning stages. Be absolutely sure that you are okay parting ways with the finances and the money that it will take to family build and knowing that the outcome could mean that there is no bundle at the end. You have to be okay with that. And if you are not okay with that, 
Don't move forward. Wait a while. Wait a bit before moving forward. This is no easy decision to make, okay? Nothing about parenthood is easy. And so neither is seeking ART and other options should be taken lightly just because you have or don't have it. Love you, friend. Peace and blessings. Hey, friend. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Infertility and Me podcast. You can connect with me and other members in the community on Instagram at Infertility and Me Podcast and or watch on YouTube at Infertility and Me Podcast. You can also email me at infertilityandme at outlook.com for a chance to record and help in the stigmas surrounding infertility so that we can reach more friends who may be silently suffering. Until next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.